Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, your Dana Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Yuma, daf Samachay, page 65. Before we get going on our daf, I just want to announce, believe it or not, we've got a seum coming up on Masachat Yuma. Um, it's going to be July 11th. That's a bit of a time of way, but you can save the date. It's a Sunday again, um, and we will have more details, registration, you know, volunteering to speak, participate, uh, coming up in the next well, week or so. That's uh, the most important. Let me start thinking about what you want to share with us. <laughs> okay. Um, now, here's what I want to share with you, Yodina, and I guess with everybody else for today. This daf struck me as having really a lot of detail, a lot of cases about, um, you know, what would happen if, right? That's that's how I feel like it was. it's set up. What would happen if? And then there's all these different cases of if you have the two animals, meaning, again, we're beginning with the goats, and the goats are designated, to, and one's going to go to the to be a carbon and one is going to go to Azazel to the Midbar and they both end up dead. But what happens if one dies beforehand? And what happens if the other one dies beforehand? And what happens if one gets lost? And what happens if the other one gets lost? And at what point do you let them go to graze because they can't, meaning that they're going to graze and acquire a blemish since they can no longer be used as a carbon, or in fact, because the one that's never not no longer able to use as a carbon can't be partnered with the other one. Meaning it just seemed like kind of case after case after case of paying very careful attention to the minutia of the what-if cases. And what it struck me, and this is not entirely rational, I would say, it's kind of like a cumulative perception, that it made me think, wonder about to what extent are they focusing on all these details, paying attention to all the what-if potential cases, because there's so much at stake that it becomes too big to think about what would happen if you didn't have the goats to redeem the day of Yom Kippur? What would happen if atonement didn't happen? So they don't talk about that, right? They just talk about the cases of what to do to make sure that the goats are in place to make sure that everything can work and atonement will happen. And again, this is somewhat speculation, somewhat kind of just the my intuitive read of the the tone, I would say, of what's going on behind the scenes. So don't hold me to it. And maybe we'll come to something in bef- between now and the end of the Masachet that will make me rethink this. But this is my sense of the page, that there is, you know, you can sometimes you focus on what needs to get done so that you can avoid thinking about the bigger questions of why you're doing what you're doing. Totally agree with you. And I think what we're seeing is maybe that's what's coming through on these topics is that there's a nervousness, right, about making sure that things are really done appropriately. And therefore, what's happening is they're trying to account for any single type of case that there could possibly be. Um, Because I agree with you, it's almost like it's just permutation after permutation after permutation, which sort of segues into what I want to speak about here, which is starting at the bottom of Omid Aleph and all of Omid Bet. They present this case, and I'm not going to read it out loud. I'm actually going to try to sort of outline it a little bit. But in other words, let's say, you know, you why couldn't you use the Sayar for the following year? In other words, why do you sort of pasture it and leave it to die? Um, that's kind of the question here that they're, that they're dealing with, right? So in other words, they're starting off from, um, you know, uh, 
you know, let's say they have one of the goats died, right? And you, um, uh, you know, you had to, well, one of the goats is still alive, right? In other words, one of the goats dies, but the second of the pair is still alive. And then according to whatever the way Rub or Rabbi Yochanan gets worked out, you're using all new um, goats, but why couldn't you just use that replacement goat later on, right? Or let's say one of the goats got lost and then was found. Why couldn't you just use it for the following year, basically? Why do you have to sort of leave it out to die? And so they begin with sort of, you know, going to actually a, uh, a brysa that we learned with Rabbi Yehuda, right? About what do you do with lost and found shkalim, right? Remember that, are they still hegdesh? right? But they don't count for the following year. You basically just, that's the Tanakhama's opinion. But Rabbi Yehuda holds that actually they do count for the following year, right? That you sort of can carry it over. And so then the question is, why couldn't you do that with this goat? Why couldn't the goat be carried over to the following year? And so Rabbi gives this answer, which basically says, you can apply what we learned from Shkalim to Korbanos, because Korbanos sort of come from the truma of this year, right? It's like whatever's designated from that year. So you can't sort of like reuse it. And then they go through like all these permutations, right? But no, but the par that's bought wasn't bought from communal fronts. That was bought from the Kohen Gadol himself. So maybe, you know, that you should be able to use. And so they say, no, it's a gazera, right? We don't want to confuse the par and the seah, right? Because if we allowed you to use a cow from year to year, then you would think that you could use the goat from year to year. Right. And but then they go back to and they ask this very interesting question, which comes up very often, which is just because of this gazera, we would let the par go out and die. Right. Why would we allow the cow to do that? And I found this stuff to be interesting because I think this whole concept of sort of letting the animal left out to die. Right. That like you sort of don't feed it. It just is left there and it sort of starves to death does not feel very comfortable, right? There's something about that. Like, it's one thing to like, let it out to graze and it gets a moom and then you redeem it. But this idea that with some of the chatas that you sort of would leave it to purposefully die doesn't feel comfortable. And for the first time on this stop, we sort of see this question being brought about. It keeps asking over and over again because of this gazera, right? Because we don't want anyone to mistake in what happens with the goat we're going to let the par like go out and die. And I don't know that the Gemara really comes up with a good answer to it. The, the discussion actually continues all the way to the next stop as well. Um, but, um, but it's interesting to sort of see them, you know, struggle with the first time that this isn't actually a nice thing to do to the animals um, <laughs> in a way that we have not seen before at all. Um, I think that there's, kind of a sensitivity to this question of, you know, well, we're going to make sure that the animal goes to graze, right? We don't just put the animal to death. That seems, you know, unseemly almost, right? We're going to let it graze and get, get a moon. And then once it's got a blemish, then you can redeem it and so on. That's the usual thing that we do with carbonate. The fact that this animal needs to die, and I found this to be also kind of remarkable, is that the idea that the people might then be confused that they could reuse it for the following year, not reuse it. Right. Well, it been reuse used. the goat specifically. Like the cow, yeah. everyone sort of agrees you could because technically it's it's an individual Corban. It was bought by the Corban. Right, right. No, I meant I meant the goat. Right. But it's not reusing it because it wasn't used, right? It was it was tabled. It was set aside, right? right? And so 
but it, it had gone through the goral, and now the question is, can you use it again the next year? And the answer is, you can't. And there seems to be this very big worry that what if people would think that you could use it the next year and then by accident use it the next year when you can't use it the next year? So therefore, not only are we going to let it go to pasture and develop a blemish, rather we're going to make sure that it ends up dead, lest people misuse it, you know, use it inappropriately the following year. And I feel like I don't understand. Here's the part I don't understand. And I feel like I, it's a little bit of maybe of a klutz kashia, but still, like, why couldn't they simply, you know, make it be known that goats could only be used in the year that they are chosen and that's it. And you can't use them the next year. I feel like there's so many details of halacha that we all hold on to and know that you cannot reuse them. Let's say, why would you think that the goat is eligible to be reused if you made a decree that you couldn't reuse it? And then we wouldn't have to let it die. I feel like, so on the one hand here, Dan, I agree with you that there does seem to be this awareness and concern, you know, isn't this kind of wasteful of an animal's life? And on the other hand, I feel like they could have taken that a step further and protected the animal's life and just made it very clear to everybody that the following year, there's no option of reusing or, you know, using fresh the goat from the year before. Right. But 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 watching them struggle over the cow, you know, they're not comfortable with this idea that you're just letting the animal die. Um, And I, I. I'm I guess I'm I'm drawn to this because I'm not comfortable with it either. And again, it's one of those things that like if somehow, you know, when the third base on me dash from Hey gets rebuilt and we're going to have Corbanus again, what's the reaction going to be to some of these things? Like how is, you know, us as modern people going to accept these things? Because they're really counter to a lot of what we feel or believe today about animals. Right. No, for sure. I mean, listen. There's the there's another added component here, by the way, which I happen to see in a note on my Gemara, which is also to be aware that when you let it die, wait, what part of the reason we let it die as opposed to, I don't know, selling it up or putting it to work in some other way is because it's been consecrated. So on the one hand, we're talking about the animal's life. On the other hand, we're talking about destruction or or the passive destruction of consecrated material property. Right. And again, it's not so nice to think of an animal that way, but that does seem to be the case. You know, it seems to me that they, you know, they they are concerned about taking it too far. Right. And and it is something that would have died anyways. But there's something about starving it that seems much less appealing than shechting it. I don't know. I'm a little bit becoming more of a vegetarian after reading this Masakit. Really, like there's something about it that just it's just not sitting well with me. It's, I feel like it's not, it's not, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's fair to say it's not fair. I think that your point that you've just made right now, the animal was going to die anyway. The difference between a prescribed shita for a korban, or even the weirdness of the, of the two goats, right? Of the seer mishaleach, um, that seems to be part of the ritual. And once you accept, if you do accept that there's going to be animal sacrifices, part of the ritual. So then we can kind of, you know, we've got we've got a box to put that in. We we can accept that as part of the system. But the moment you say, "Well, just starve it to death," it just always this this halacha always strikes me as so brutal. And you know, much more so, as you say, much more so than the what the culture of carbonate, which might not be um, you know vegetarian friendly, but it's also 
got a very long-standing tradition and a lot of rules of how to do it in a humane way and so on and so forth. This is not a humane way. Right. And, and, and again, I think the DAP is struggling with it here. Like it keeps coming back to why would you do this to the par if you don't need to, right? Just because right, right, right. they were with the goats. And, I, you know, they're not using the language we use around it, but that sentiment really stands out for me here on this stuff. Yeah. Listen, I don't like the Gazera about the goat. Right. <laughs> Both of them Meaning, are not, not Again, I can handle the Yom Kippur Avoda. That makes sense to me. But this rule that you have to let that the, that the uneven goat, the one that wasn't used, has to be let to die lest they could become confused and by accident use it the following year. Again, I kind of I want to give people credit enough that they're not going to do that. And then you don't have to worry about the par because there's no concern about the goat. So there's no be no concern about the par. We'd have more animals. Yeah, a, a, a good point. And I think we'll have to see how this plays out in the next couple of Gatham. And we haven't even gotten to the Mishnah yet about what happens to the goat when it does say Arhamish which also is very graphic. So uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, all right, I'm challenging everybody since we uh, started our discussion about our CM, maybe a topic for one of our uh, co-learners to think about is sort of the treatment of animals in this Masachet, and is there anything we can learn from it? So I'll end on that. That's our DAP discussion for the major podcast. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Uh, please pay attention to our information that we're going to be sending about our CM on Yoma on July 11th, God willing. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 